We welcome you to the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Siope Kimikini, and your parenting coach, Kimber Peterson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. I'm your host here. My name is Siope, and joining us is the other host of the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast, Kimber. Hi, everyone. Yeah, we're going to be discussing feeling judged as a parent, because this is a huge topic that comes up over and over and over again for a lot of parents. It's very difficult to parent in our day and age because there are so many things that are happening and so many opinions about what to do when you're parenting your child. So we're going to be discussing how you can navigate this, what things you can do and implementing a skill that will help you during this whole process of you feeling judged as a parent. I know I felt judged as a parent because, you know, I'm a parent. And so (laughs) there are three specific topics that we're going to cover. Why is parenting surrounded by so much judgment? The second topic is how to recognize unhealthy systems. And then the third will be an introduction to the skill of observe and describe. So our goal is really to help parents have more grace for themselves, to understand judgment and in what ways they can deal and work through their feelings of being judged by other people. So, you know, to start us off, let's talk about why is parenting surrounded by so much judgment? I don't know. You tell me, uh, Kimber, why do you think there is so much judgment around how people parent their children? You know, I think that it often comes from a desire to want people to be their best selves. And it's easier to want people to be the same as you or to make the same decisions than it is to try to understand where they're coming from. And sometimes we don't have that perspective. Mm -hmm. We especially live in a world where we get to see glimpses of other people through social media and internet interactions, but we don't understand the full person as much. And so it, it can be a little bit more challenging for us to navigate and find ways to create relationships that are really about the full person for better or for worse. And uh, as we navigate some of those deeper relationships, really starting to understand where they're coming from, what their perspective is, it can help you remove some of that judgment in what they're doing and and kind of see things through their perspective. But mm-hmm. ultimately, the judgment is often rooted in a desire for people to be their best self. Yeah. You know, I have to agree with that. We all come with our own experiences to parenting and what has worked for us. And when we know something's worked for us, we will gravitate towards things that parents should do that work for us, should work for other children as well. And it is well-intentioned. I think in a lot of ways, parents are just trying to see what works. What's worked for me worked for me. And so it should work for you. And yet there is a side of it where there is a lack of empathy in understanding that people are different. Children are different. uh, Situations are different and allowing some flexibility in there. You know, Um, there was a website zero to three, and they asked this question about judgment with parenting. Mm -hmm. And uh, what they found was their survey found that nine out of 10 parents across the board felt judged. 90% of moms and 85% of dads, and almost half say they feel judged all the time or nearly all the time, 46% of moms and 45% of dads. So we know that this is an issue that a lot of parents are feeling or thinking about in relation to their parenting role in raising children. They say where that judgment was coming from. Yeah, you know, largely from People that were within the circle of their family unit, so other family members, friends. So we're talking about judgment from people that are within your emotional circle, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are judgments that come across from outside of the circle, but the ones that seem to affect parents most are the ones that are coming from, you know, your parents, your spouse's parents, your friends. And there's this perception uh, that these people are supportive and they are supportive. However, they have a different opinion. And sometimes that leads to feelings of I'm being judged by them because I'm doing things differently, you know? I once heard a speaker talking about how you are most sensitive to the judgments that you feel some insecurity around. So if you've got, you know, a slight or a large amount of insecurity around something, and then you feel a judgment coming in, it's going to come in a lot heavier than something that you don't feel insecure about at all. Yeah. So if, if somebody thought, you know, that they really didn't care for me being brunette and I don't feel insecure about being a brunette, (laughs) then that's not going to weigh me down very heavily. But if I, you know, was self-conscious about how I spoke to my children or those kinds of things that come up in parenting or even how I dress my children, there's so many things that can come up that you feel judgment for. And uh, if I feel any insecurity around that, then I might be a little bit more sensitive to it. What are your thoughts about how to navigate when you're insecure about some of the decisions you're making? You know, uh, I think there comes a point where you have to really do, and this is part of the heavy lifting part of internal parenting, where you as a parent have to make some boundaries and some definitions on what types of feedback you will accept, what types of feedback you will assess, and what types of things you will just dismiss. Like you mentioned, you know, if you feel a certain insecurity about something, there might be some truth to that. And so that deserves further introspection on your part as a parent. In raising my own child, I've had a lot of uh, pushback because culturally, I have not raised my daughter the way that I was raised. And my parents provided a loving home for me and they were wonderful parents. But there are certain things that I decided I was not going to do. And I discussed it with my wife and we just agreed. Some of those things had to do with consequences, for example, and then communication. So we wanted to have an open door policy. We wanted our child to just come in and talk about anything, even things that were very uncomfortable. Those types of things we we altered and we changed. So when I received feedback from, you know, other people within the emotional circle that were almost critical of the approach, I had to rely back on what I had already established and agreed upon in my approach to parenting. Like this is the boundary And I understand your perspective, but I'm not going to let your perspective sway me or let that judgment move me from where I feel like I want to go as as a parent. So, you know, I had to make those decisions. I don't know. I mean, you tell me you're raising younger children right now. I'm not sure if there's a lot of judgment around what's happening in raising younger children. It seems to be a big issue. You know, you're going to do gentle parenting, Mm -hmm. persuasive parenting consequential parenting. I mean, all these are parenting approaches that have popped up in the last 20 years Yeah, that are like, do this, do this, do this, do this. It's almost hard to weed everything out. But what are you doing to address some of these messages that parents are receiving that are bombarding yeah. their perspectives? Bombarding is a good word for that. Yeah. 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 I think I, I do see a lot of it, especially being enmeshed in this work of parenting. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of different, you should do this, you shouldn't do this, try this, don't do this, all of those kinds of really prescriptive things. Yeah. I think for me, a lot of that um, introspective work and that uh, communication between my husband and I on what we're wanting 
and establishing some of those values and some of those core features. Okay, here's the foundation of what we're working off of. We can pull things back to that and we feel more comfortable, right? If being a good parent is not about, you know, if your bedtime is eight o'clock or 8.30, <laughs> right? Those kinds of decisions, there are decisions, they're for you to make and that's okay, but that's not a make it or break it thing. And uh, a lot of people will have their opinions on what's right or what's not right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think even I've got young kids and there have been circumstances where my husband is working really late. He's working with an intense thing that's going on. And I realized, you know, too little, too late that we have to have something from the store and it's 9 p.m. And I'm pulling my kids out of bed so that they can go to the store with me. And I feel that judgment as I walk in with my kids in their pajamas and, you know, they should really be in bed. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but those kinds of things come up where people don't have the full picture. And I think that I navigate that judgment by just knowing, you know, what's really valuable and important to me is my kids being safe, is my husband and I working together and and communicating well on what our different needs are. So if he is needing to be out late and I'm really needing to get this thing from the store right now, then that's how we're going to balance it. And I'm okay with that decision. And so it can alleviate some of that judgment and let that go just because we've decided on some of those core values that are important to us. Ahead of time. I'm going to ask you a question because I think that that is so interesting in taking your kids to the store. Cause I did that too. Like mm-hmm. 11 o'clock at night. Oh, we all like, have. You know, okay. My child is sleeping in the car. <laughs> because yeah. you know, This is the only time that we can do something. So we're going to do it now. Um, Oh, but you feel the eyes. (laughs) You do feel the eyes. But, you know, here's my question. Is this like a self-inflicted perception? What you think other people are thinking about you? Or is this a reality that you see or that you experience? You know, I'm kind of curious. Do we perceive that they're judging us or is it a reality that they're judging us? Yeah, I think that that's a good question. I think it can be both ways for different people, though. I mean, I've known people to directly come out and call you out in the store, right? The clerk saying, you know, it's 1030 at night. Your kids really shouldn't be here. Right. (laughs) And those statements do come up and that judgment does exist. But I think a lot of it, a lot of it can be perpetuated by us uh, and our perception of You know, I feel the eyes when really maybe the eyes aren't all looking at you. Maybe the eyes really don't care about whether your kids are wearing pajamas or if it's 1030 at night and they just care about, you know, what aisle are they looking for? And so I think that it can be a combination of both. I don't know that the outside piece matters as much as the inside piece, right? So how are you navigating that as a parent? Mm -hmm. How established are you in some of your decisions and what can you forgive yourself for, right? I made this decision. I feel good about it. It's what I needed to do for the night and, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. And just kind of finding that ability to praise yourself for where you're at and acknowledge what you've got going on and the different details that other people don't know or don't need to know. And that's okay. Yeah. A lot of those little judgments come up, but sometimes it's heavier. Sometimes the judgments can be thicker and they can come from that close-knit circle, like you said. Um, I think the infamous mother-in-law stories come up for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of people, lots of people feel the judgment from their mother-in-law or their father-in-law or whoever that close-knit circle, even friends, siblings, um, those people that care about you and want the best for you, you can feel that intensely from them. Yeah. I love what you said that does it matter if it's outside or inside? I mean, of course it does, but the stories you are telling yourselves are a reality of Mm -hmm. what you've experienced. And so there is value in saying, you know what, there is judgment out there about parenting. I am being judged by people who, you know, see me bringing my child into a Walmart at who knows what time. 
you know, when other kids are in bed or even walking around in pajamas, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So it happens. One of the really interesting experiences I've had is watching meltdowns happen in Walmart Mm -hmm. with parents and kids. And I've always made it a point to reach out to the parent and say, you're doing a good job. You know, I know what the parent is going through because I've been there, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, with a child who's throwing a tantrum and the parent is still trying to maintain, you know, order and not give in to the child's needs. I will always lean into the parent and say, you're doing a good job. Keep at it. You're just setting good boundaries, you know, to just reaffirm that, hey, I see you, but I'm not judging you. I'm actually here to support you and to provide some type of verbal visual support to that whole process. Yeah. Cause there's some things that are just very clearly seen. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was at the splash pad a couple of weeks ago with my kids and there was a mom in a lawn chair, probably 10 feet behind me or so. And she had her son who was just wailing, like not a real crying, just a please. Can I get everybody in the surrounding area to look at me kind of cry? <laughs> Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And as he was doing this, she was so frustrated and I could hear her crying and I could hear her telling him to stop and that he was drawing attention. And she ended up kind of dismissing him to go and do something to get him away from all of the people. And I think in those moments, right, that mom is feeling just the weight of everyone around her seeing and obviously knowing what's going on. Mm-hmm. But from my perspective, where I was just around the corner from her, there was no judgment. It was, you know, that's what he's choosing to do right now. His behavior is not indicative of you as a parent. It's you guys are dealing with a rough thing right now. And yeah. I, I love that you approached the parent and said, no, you're doing a good job. Because thinking about this situation, she could have benefited from that potentially. And just knowing, yeah, of course, I'm 10 feet away. I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't have any judgment here. Like this is not, it's not something you need to be ashamed of or embarrassed of. That can be hard. Yeah. Yeah. I always make it a point to do that because I was that parent at one point. And so, you know, just having somebody acknowledge that, hey, I know you're doing your best. Your child is freaking out. You know, I think it goes a long way in countering this idea that everybody's judging me yeah, because my child is behaving a certain way. And that expectation, I think that a lot of parents have, which is if my child behaves well, I must be a good parent. If my child chooses to behave, you know, misbehave, then I'm a horrible parent. It's not true because Mm -hmm. children will do what they want to do. And we guide them along the process. We teach them what they should do, but they're still going to do what they want to do, mm-hmm. you know? And so relinquishing some of that control mindset is always helpful. So uh, that brings us to the next point, which is recognizing unhealthy systems. And what I mean by that is there are systems within our lives that dictate what parenting should look like or what we should be expecting in our parenting goals. And some of those are helpful. But some of those are not helpful. And so we have to be able to differentiate between what is healthy and what is not healthy in these systems. Because once we can define what they are, we can focus our attention on the positives, right? And when I'm talking about systems, that can include parents or friends who have opinions about our parenting, books that we may read, articles, social media posts that say, this is what you need to do for parenting. And it comes across with this expectation of this is what parenting should look like. And if you're not doing it this way, you're doing it wrong, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important. One of the things you just said was about, you know, some of them are healthy and some of them are unhealthy. In some ways, these social expectations and um, even pressures can help establish safety and, you know, some social norms that are really healthy and, and positive. But some of them, definitely not. 
go in depth in that because I'm interested in hearing that part of it. In what ways can it be healthy? Sure. I think that uh, there can be an extreme to any of these scenarios, but some that come to mind relate back to safety really quickly. I can think of one for social. So like, for example, here is a healthy system that is in place and that's expectations on how you should behave in public, right? Mm -hmm. There are certain expectations that we should have of our children. We shouldn't just allow them to do whatever they want or Mm -hmm touch property that doesn't belong to them. We need to teach them boundaries. And society does have some expectations out there that are healthy. You know, we we want to teach our children, you know, this is not your house. So you cannot just go and open the fridge and grab whatever you want and take your shoes off. We want to teach them manners. We want to mm-hmm. teach them how to engage in the world in a positive way. So there are some expected rules in society that are great and they're mm-hmm. healthy and we want to reinforce those. Yeah. So how do they become unhealthy? When do you see a situation where it evolves from that healthy social boundary to something that's not? For me, or at least the way that I see it is it becomes unhealthy when the expectations of society are unrealistic for the child Mm -hmm. that you are working with. You know, we make accommodations for people with disabilities. We make accommodations for people who may struggle with something uh, emotionally. They may have a comfort animal that mm-hmm. they are working with, and those are those are accepted, you know, and just recognizing what are the needs. And if we expect our children to all come out as cookie cutter children to behave in everything exactly the same, that could be detrimental. That's where I think it would flip over to the unhealthy side when we're not recognizing that uh, some of these expectations may not fit exactly what our child needs or what they can do. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And the judgment can come in thick in those situations where maybe it's a scenario where this worked for me. <laughs> this yeah. worked for me. It should work for you. Do it exactly the same way. And although it can be well-intentioned, it can also be very damaging. Yeah. And and that's a heavy dose of judgment that a lot of parents feel just that you shouldn't be doing things quite this way or you should be doing it a little bit differently. You should have responded to that in this way. Oh, don't forget to take that word out. Yeah. <laughs> All of these different weights where you're spending so much time navigating, oh, what shouldn't I do that you can't even focus on? What do you want? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean... Healthy and unhealthy, I think parents need to come with a definition and define for themselves areas that are unhealthy in their parenting. Uh, Social media is one that can be positive and negative Mm -hmm. because, you know, social media can teach you a lot about what you can do to help your child, but it can also set up a fake expectation of what parenting should look like. And I think we all know that, you know, people living in a white kitchen where everything is spotless and it's just kind of mind numbing to me. So mm-hmm. I'm like, that is a difficult house to keep clean and have children. And I'm not saying people can't do it, but I'm just saying it does set an expectation for this is how it looks. Mm-hmm. And my house has never looked like that. <laughs> you know? So, and I've tried, I've tried to make it look that way, but It can be self-defeating when that's the expectation, but not the reality Mm -hmm. of what I'm what I'm working through. So, yeah, that makes sense. So some of these expectations are even self-inflicted and Mm -hmm. and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it's a process. Parenting is a process. But for me, defining what is unhealthy and what is healthy has always been helpful for me. I know Mm -hmm. um, in my own experience, I've been able to 
adjust unhealthy systems. So when somebody's being overly critical about my parenting or they come in and they insist on me doing it a certain way without understanding everything else involved in raising my child or my child's temperament, I consider that unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to draw a line and say, okay, your feedback is your feedback, but it's not anything I'm going to act on. Yeah. And those boundaries that you talked about earlier can prepare you for those conversations and those yeah. relationships. Yeah, you know, definitely. And I understand people are coming with the best intentions. And yet at the same time, it's still unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So you can have great intentions and it can still be unhealthy. Yeah. So just be cautious. And there's a group of people in my life that are in my emotional circle. They have opinions and they have their viewpoints and they share it with me. And I will listen to them mm-hmm. because I feel like it is a healthy relationship with them. And their interest is in the best interest of my child. So that's why they bring it up. So I've been able to draw a line between what is unhealthy with friends and what is healthy with close associates or family members in what I accept for feedback or ideas or whatever it may be in helping to raise my child. So, Mm -hmm. And you do get to choose what you accept and what you dismiss and what you... yeah what you percolate your thoughts on and what you drop. Yeah. I think all parents need to come to that conclusion. What is healthy? What is unhealthy? What is going to help you? What is going to help your child? What is not going to help you? What is not going to help your child? And then be strong enough to say, this is not going to work. And this is going to work and know the difference between the two. Cause we accept everything. That's too much. We don't accept anything. There's no growth. So we, there's a balance between the two. Yeah. And accept that you make mistakes along the way. Sometimes some of that judgment is coming and there's some validity behind it. Sometimes you feel those eyes because you're not okay with the Mm -hmm. way that you responded or reacted as a parent. And it can be just a healthy, it can be a healthy reminder um, if you let it be of of when you've made a mistake or crossed a line or done something that's not congruent with how you're wanting to parent. Yeah, And so you can accept that you make mistakes and that's okay. And that you can adjust or make changes or apologize to your child or whatever you're needing to do, because sometimes that can be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that leads us into a skill that we want you as parents to be able to use, which is observe and describe and tying in the skill in dealing with judgment and dealing with unhealthy systems. And the reason why the skill is so powerful, it's probably one of the simplest skills you'll ever run across. Because it is exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. It is observing something and describing it. And what this does is it grounds you, it grounds your child as well into the reality of what's happening and gives you options for how to proceed afterwards. I used this skill the other day. Yeah. Okay. I I have a four-year-old that I talked about earlier, my son, Grayson. And I noticed recently that he started doing this thing where he will straighten out his arms and make fists in his hands. And he just shows a lot of tension in his body. And I immediately felt a lot of guilt just because I knew that some of that was coming from my modeling. Because I found that, you know, when I get really frustrated in those tenuous moments, I have a tendency to avoid yelling or something like that. I will clench my jaw a little bit, or I will feel the tension in my shoulders, like as I am feeling frustrated. And so I was feeling guilty because I felt like I caused that. (laughs) He's doing that because I do it. 
And so I started implementing some of this observing and describing with him so that I could walk him through what that process looks like to me. Mm-hmm. Because clenching or feeling tension, the worst coping skill? No, it's not the worst one for sure. But I want to show him that I'm constantly growing and pushing myself. And so um, when I noticed myself frustrated or having some of that tension, you know, deep breaths do help me or taking a minute or having some space or having something that's quiet. So I used the skill of observing and describing to um, help him understand what I was doing to cope and how I was making a change in some of my response. And so I described back to him, you know, I'm feeling a lot of tension in my shoulders right now. I feel that they're raised up. I am biting my jaw really tight and I don't want to do that. So I'm going to take some deep breaths and I am not going to talk for two minutes so that I can have it be quiet. And then I think I'll feel better. So I won't feel that. And then after I did it, I reported back to him, let him know, you know, I don't feel this tension anymore. I don't feel the tightness in my jaw. And some of that description back to him, although it sounds tedious to go through and explain all of these little details to him that are happening, it's really helpful because the next time that it came up where he was displaying some of that tension and I prompted to him and said, it looks like your arms are really tight. Your fists are really firm. He just naturally took a deep breath and relaxed his hands a little bit because we had already talked about it and we'd done it with me and I'd shown him how I calmed down. And so he was able to implement some of that. And and that helped a lot with him being able to cope and manage that emotion and me feeling guilty for teaching him this coping skill that was obvious to everyone around us while we were at the park and he was frustrated, mm-hmm. but it definitely helped him through the process because I was so descriptive. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to describe it to him, right. Is it's powerful because uh, it really does have your child take stock of the present, what is happening right now, how to move forward from right now. That's wonderful that you're able to do that. How would you use observe and describe in dealing with judgment, like parents feeling judged? In what ways do you think that this skill could be helpful? You know, when you and I set out to do this topic, one of the things that we talked about is we really wanted to have parents just have a little grace and patience for themselves and just Mm -hmm. be able to understand that they're doing their best too. And I think observing and describing can help with that um, because it removes some of the labeling. Instead of that internal monologue being, I'm a bad parent, I'm always yelling, I'm doing this, your internal monologue can start changing over to just being descriptive about what's going on. Mm -hmm. Our home feels really tense right now. A lot of people are frustrated. That's observing and describing. Mm -hmm. Um, I am feeling anxious and I feel that in my chest and in my shoulders and my breathing is heavy. And that is probably happening because I just had a confrontation with my teenager and I don't want it to go that way. I don't want it to be that confrontational. And so just kind of using some of these skills of observing and describing to really just acknowledge and to drop some of the labeling instead of the, I'm a bad parent. We're always fighting. I can never talk to her. It can change over and shift over to this, this patient language of I'm feeling a lot of stress. I am feeling my breath really heavily. I want to feel more peace. I want to feel like I can talk calmly with my child. Some of this descriptive language of what you're experiencing versus what you're wanting and how you're going to get there. All of this can change some of that internal monologue. Mm -hmm. And those thoughts shifting are going to shift everything else along with you. It's going to shift your feelings, your environment, your relationships. It's going to pull everything along. And it's just that first step of helping your thoughts be a little less judgmental, a little more forgiving, and just descriptive rather than labeling. You know, I love that approach because, I mean, when we really think about it, we're talking about judgments coming from outside 
but we cannot control that part of it. Like judgments may come in all different forms. And when they're coming from outside into us, the only thing we have control over is ourselves and our thoughts and the processes in how we accept those things. But taking time to really observe and describe where you're at, taking a deep breath, recentering yourself, those are powerful things in addressing these negative feelings that usually come with judgment. You know, I know for me, it really does remove the labeling. And I don't know about other parents, but when I get into a cycle of ruminating thought that consistently go, I've shared this example with families that I've worked with. It's almost as if those thoughts start off on a road and we end up on a highway where they're gaining speed and those thoughts just continually get faster and faster and faster. Observe and describe for me is like putting speed bumps along the way. And it requires you to slow down and it, it keeps your thoughts from getting out of control, at least for me. So observe and describe is a speed bump, slows me down. And eventually, as I continue to do it, it becomes an off ramp where I can just get off that thought process, reassess, and then decide where I'm going from there. So, you know, I love that whole idea of we can only control what we can control, which is ourselves and our thought processes. And observe and describe is a way for us to do that, mm -hmm. know, effectively do that. You said it so well. I mean. Yeah, I thank you for the, the visual. I appreciate that. It made me think of in the therapy world, we're talking a lot about mindfulness and the importance of that. Uh, mindfulness can be really powerful. It's kind of a really subtle tool, but at the root of mindfulness, it's about slowing down and observing and describing really. Uh, yeah. And so this is such a powerful way to implement that while also not pausing life to focus on, you know, this therapeutic intervention. It's incorporating some of these tools that are available into your day to day that make it a little bit easier for you to take a step forward or a step out of that judgment box you've been building yourself. Absolutely. And really, it's so easy. I mean, you can do it anywhere. You can do it while you're exercising, while you're driving. It's just observing yourself where you're mm -hmm. at physically, emotionally, anything you're feeling in your body, and then just describing that. How heavy do you feel in the chair that you're sitting? How cold do you feel? Do you feel a breeze? Being able to observe and take stock of yourself that way really slows your brain down. And it helps your prefrontal cortex, which processes all of the important stuff. You know, it keeps you from fight, flight, or freeze. It gives you the ability to exercise that muscle so you can address difficult topics in a more specific way, a more helpful way. So, yeah, observe and describe. Fantastic. Any other thoughts on observe and describe? So the challenge for you as a listener is we want you to be able to observe and describe yourself throughout the day. Really, just take some time. doesn't take very long, probably about 10 seconds, 15 seconds. You may want to prolong it and do it for a while longer. I highly suggest it. You know, it's a good way to check in with yourself. It also helps you calm down, helps you reassess. This is a tool that is especially helpful for children with ADHD because they tend to bounce around with the inattentiveness or the hyperactivity. Being able to observe and describe really takes the focus from moving around so much to where am I now and what's happening with me right now. So this is a skill you can do and then you can model for your children, which will be very effective for them. I use it all the time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, me too. I use it all the time. 
actually, what's interesting is that I use it in the car quite a bit mm. and it keeps me from having road rage. Mm. Sounds so bizarre, but you know, I'm like, okay, I'm in my car. I can feel the air conditioning going down this highway. I'm observing traffic and describing it. People cut me off. Mm -hmm. I'm observing, oh, they're in a hurry. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just removes that whole labeling thing that mm -hmm. you mentioned before from the entire experience, which allows me to really be in control of everything else. Yeah, that's a good example. So super powerful. So that's a challenge for you as our listeners. Observe and describe something today. I want you to do it multiple times, at least three times today. Do it right now, in fact. Just observe where you are, what you're doing, what you're seeing, and describe it. Use words to describe it. What you're seeing, observe and describe what you see in front of you. Take some time, you know, enjoy that. All right. That's the challenge for you today. And that's it from us this week. Glad to have Kimber here. Thanks. We're going to do uh, a lot of these joint uh, podcasts together. So you're going to be hearing from both of us during the podcast as well. You are going to hear from us individually because we have yeah. a lot to say and a lot to share. And if you have any suggestions on things that you'd like to hear more about, then you're welcome to reach out to us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Smarter Parenting and on Facebook, Smarter Parenting. Yeah, jump over there. Jump over there, leave a comment, let us know. Thanks, everyone. That's it for us. We'll see you later. 